Hello, my name's Christiana, and welcome to the Oceanside Community Church Podcast. We're a church in Parksville on Vancouver Island with a vision to be fully devoted children of God, fully mature in Jesus Christ, and fully alive with the Holy Spirit. We welcome you to join us weekly on this journey. For more information about our church, visit our website at oceansidecommunitychurch.ca or download our mobile app. We pray that you'll be blessed and equipped by today's teaching. I know you have just been seated, but I will ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Such a privilege to read His Word, to reflect on it. If you do need a Bible, we have Bibles at the back, and you're welcome to take one home with you. Reading from John chapter 4, verses 5 to 15, and also verse 28 to 35. John 4. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, Give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Let's pray together. Dear Father in heaven, 
Thank you for your word. Thank you for its power. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that illuminates and guides us as we look into your word. May we have ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'm a little thirsty, and I think it's fine if I have a nice drink of water before this message. <laughs> I'm seriously thirsty, though. But <laughs> for me and for perhaps you, this is a familiar passage. The account of Jesus interacting with a Samaritan woman and eventually with the community at large. And in my mind, I don't know about you, but in my mind, I often title this passage, The Woman at the Well. The Woman at the Well. That's what is in my mind about it. And there's nothing wrong with that title because the Samaritan woman is a person of immeasurable value and worth. And there is a life-changing experience for this woman. And I want to acknowledge that and feel free to talk about it. But this morning, I've deliberately chosen the title, Jesus at the Well. Jesus at the Well. Because I want to draw attention to the actions of Jesus, the connection, the intentional conversation, the involvement in community. What can we learn from the actions of Jesus? How can we follow his example? And rather than beginning with the start of the story, I want to actually begin near the end. And it's sort of like when a movie begins and, you know, there's that opening scene and it's really significant. But then it turns out that you think it's the beginning of the timeline. It turns out it's the end of the timeline. And the whole movie just builds up, boom, to that final scene. And when I first encountered this, I, I didn't like it. I'm like, really? Like, it's like a big spoiler. Like, the whole movie's ruined because I already know the ending. I've seen it a few times now, so I'm getting used to it. But. And doesn't the Bible... Doesn't the Bible contain a bunch of spoilers to the end of the earthly story? I'm using the word spoiler playfully. It's not really a spoiler. But we do know what happens. We've been told the outcome. The King, Jesus Christ, returns, marking the end of the earthly story the beginning of the new heavenly story. But do you, do I, do we live like people who know what is going to happen? Yesterday, we gathered together. We remembered and celebrated Mike's earthly life. And it was great. We laughed together. We cried together. It's a wonderful time. We know the outcome. When we read in John 14, we know the outcome. We know there's a place for Mike in God's heavenly home because of his faith in Jesus. 
Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And this is an invitation for all. It's an invitation for you this morning. If you have not received that, there is hope and rescue in Jesus Christ. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. There is great hope and expectation for those who believe in Jesus, who have received him by faith and have chosen to follow him. We know how it ends. And there should be a sense of urgency to share this news, to spread the story, to share the love of Jesus. So let's look at this passage the account of Jesus at the well. And let's begin with a verse near the end. Let's highlight that it is time for harvest. Jesus says these words in John 4:35. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. When I was reading this passage, that verse just popped out to me that it's harvest time. I was going to coin a phrase, I don't know if it'll catch on or not, harvest mindset. Forgive me because I'm also a teacher. In teaching, we sometimes talk about growth mindset, not fixed mindset. What about harvest mindset? The understanding the realization, the anticipation that it's time now to harvest a crop for eternal life. The understanding, the attentiveness that God invites us, calls us into the fields. The willingness, the sacrifice, the persistence, the delight in going into the fields and participating in God's harvest. There are eternal implications. It's time for the harvest. As we look at this passage, as we make decisions in our lives, let's live in the reality that it is harvest time. In the power of the Spirit, May we open our eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Sometimes, perhaps always, there are challenges in harvesting. Sometimes it seems that the crop doesn't want to be harvested. We're not always sure which field to go to. Do we have the right equipment? Sometimes it's difficult just to know where to start. Where did Jesus start in this passage? Well, he plunked himself down at the well. He put himself in a place where he could naturally connect with people. 
this was a great starting place, a place where he could find common ground. And as followers of Jesus, we are the church. We are the body of Christ. And it's good, it's vitally important for us to gather together, that the church gathered. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So we are told to gather together. But when we leave this building, we don't stop being the church. We are still the church, as it says on the other side of the door, the church scattered. And we have the opportunity, the responsibility, the privilege of spreading the good news, of being salt and light, of going into the grocery stores, the gyms, the schools, the offices, the farmers' markets, the neighborhood events, all the places in our community where we can connect with other people. As we are directed by the Spirit and seek connection with others, we have the opportunity to have conversation. And I want to acknowledge that the ways and the places where we connect in conversation, it'll look different. Some of us are natural conversationalists. Some of us are not. That's okay. We're not all the same. We have different gifts. Not everybody's the big toe in the body. We have different strengths. We have different challenges. I remember when I was, was growing up, I was in youth group. And one of my friends could just go into a new situation, a room of complete strangers, like at a meeting or a conference, or I probably didn't go to conferences as a youth, let's be honest, a youth event, and that person would just go around and talk to everybody, every new person, boom, 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 and, I was, and it was easy for them. I asked after, was that hard? Nope. What? And I was so freaked out, because that was like a really hard thing to do. It was hard for me to be in an unfamiliar situation. And I was nervous talking to new people. And I felt really uncomfortable. But in a small setting with people I knew, I felt at ease. God created you. He loves you. He knows you. He understands you. Be honest and open with him. He'll take you places. Just be open for him to use you in the way that he chooses. Don't shrink back. Be open to your part in God's plan. Whether it's sowing or reaping, be involved in harvesting a crop for eternal life. And I'm saying this to myself as well. Be involved in God's harvest. Let's look at how Jesus started the conversation with the Samaritan woman. He specifically, intentionally connects. He starts this life-changing encounter 
in what might seem to be a remarkably simple way. He asks for a drink of water. A drink of water. That's it. He's sitting by a well, and he asks, will you give me a drink? It's simple, but it's complex. Started to really reflect on it. There's humility involved. Jesus is tired and thirsty, and he's asking for help. But it's an amazing way to connect, to actually ask someone for help when you need it. It doesn't matter if they're not a person of faith. They may have the thing to offer you that you need, and you know that Jesus has the thing to offer them that they need. And the woman has a choice. By asking for a drink, he brings it to an immediate choice. I was a lot of times like, hi, hi. Okay, that didn't go anywhere. But he pushes it. He asks, he asks for something. What will the woman do? Will she give him a drink? Will she ignore him? We could understand if she would. But no. She makes a comment and then asks a question. An obvious comment. You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? So right away, something new and different is happening. Barriers are being broken. A Jewish man associating with a Samaritan woman. Jews do not associate with Samaritans. It says it plainly in the passage, in case we didn't know that. And Samaritans are regarded by Jews as inferior, as less than. But Jesus demonstrates by his actions that no one is less than. All are created in God's image. We need to follow that example that no one is less than in God's kingdom. So the woman says, how can you ask me for a drink? And Jesus responds. And it's just, I want to say brilliant. It's the response of Jesus is so brilliant. It's so skillful. It's so like Jesus, if I can say that. I don't want to be irreverent. But he moves the conversation just like that, from the earthly to the eternal. He moves it from the earthly to the eternal. And he does it in a way that is non-threatening and that awakens the woman's curiosity. What an example to follow. This challenges me. Like, wow, to move the conversation from the earthly to the eternal. When we're talking with someone and the conversation moves from talking about the weather or football or cooking or Hallmark Christmas movies, whatever it is, to something about God and God's kingdom, that's good stuff. We want to be thinking that way. We want to be preparing to move from the earthly to the eternal. 
And it's by God's grace, by the leading of his spirit, that eternal truth can be woven into an ordinary, everyday conversation. So we're not doing this in our strength. We're doing it by his spirit. Jesus talks about living water. Living water. And he begins to reveal who he is to this woman. And the conversation progresses. We didn't read it out loud this morning, but there's more conversation. There's more questions. The woman asks a number of questions. And Jesus continues to share to reveal more of the truth. And the height of the conversation is reached in verse 26 when Jesus declares that he himself, the one speaking to her, is the Messiah. Jesus demonstrates an ideal combination of wisdom and boldness. He is not bold in a foolish way, but he is bold. He's not afraid to share, to speak openly about spiritual truth, but he is wise. He is deliberate. He is patient in how he reveals himself to this woman. And I really like how the woman asks questions. Let's take a moment to reflect on that, to highlight that. The value of asking questions. This is part of it. Questions are asked. And the value of encouraging someone, allowing someone to ask questions. Because when we truly question from the heart, we seek. Seek and you will find. One of the things I appreciate about Alpha is that it upholds, it champions the value of asking questions, of seeking. So the woman has this conversation with Jesus, this life-changing encounter. And what does she do? What does she do next? She leaves her water jar. I find that interesting. I don't need this right now. I've got more important stuff. Goes back to the town and talks to the people. Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? She shares what happened with her community. She invites her community to come to Jesus. What a powerful example. As followers of Jesus, we are called to share what has happened in our lives. We're called to bring other people to Jesus. We don't save anyone. It is God who saves but we have the responsibility, the privilege of spreading the good news, the message that there is living water, that all who drink will never again be thirsty. 
What amazing news that we have to share and how it has impacted our lives in powerful ways, how it has taken us through the deepest valleys. You have a story that only you can share. And when we recognize the eternal significance of the living water, as we allow the truth, the life, the love of Jesus to fill our hearts and our minds, and as we walk in step with the Spirit, this call, this responsibility to share the news, it's no longer a duty, it's a delight. Not a duty, but a delight. I was challenged this week. Am I delighting in what I'm doing? Because I should be. God is so good. It's a joy. And then we read at the end of this account that there was a harvest. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony, her words, her personal story, her encounter with Jesus, her understanding of the living water, that made a difference to others. And many in the town came out and they urged Jesus to stay. And Jesus stayed two days. And because of the words of Jesus, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Thank you. Thank you for your gospel message. Thank you for your plan, for your love, Lord. Just stir in our lives, stir in our hearts. Bring us to a place of delighting in serving you. Your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Come to me, all who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk about our response. I'll invite the music team to come forward and the prayer team to come forward. What is our response? There are many ways to respond. I don't want to make this just all about Alpha because there's so many ways. Alpha is one way. And it is my prayer that our response will be ongoing. It will be fueled by our love for God and empowered by the Spirit in the name of Jesus. Connection, conversation, community, harvest mindset. It is harvest time. I am going to give us a specific opportunity to respond by coming forward during our last song, taking an Alpha invitation card from the tables. And of course, you don't have to do this, but I encourage, I encourage everyone to do it. 
You can pray at the front. You can go back to your seat and pray. Pray for that person, those people in your community that you want to invite to Alpha. Pray for boldness. Pray for wisdom. Pray into the harvest. If you don't have anyone in mind, I encourage you to come forward. Take a card. Maybe you haven't decided about Alpha. Come forward. Take a card. Pray about it. Ask God to lead you by his spirit. So let's stand together and let's proclaim. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, or download our mobile app for more content. If you're in the area, we hope to see you soon. Until next time, may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you as you live by His Spirit.